Welcome back to our look at Grease, which is one of those just iconic soundtracks, films, musicals of all time selected to the Library of Congress. And this is now part two of our analysis of the soundtrack of it. And I really couldn't I, I really couldn't do this in just an hour that we normally are constrained to. So I'm glad that we're able to to break this up and be able to have this opportunity to discuss this film. Absolutely. Welcome back, everyone. We're ready to to get into the, the second half of our conversation about the juggernaut that is Greece and, and, and just so many more fun things to talk about, about how this story is going to progress, about all the great musical moments that are about to happen. Um, yeah, let's let's dive on in. Yeah, and the instrumentation on that song, too, is very, it's not 50s. There's a there's that kind of and a quintessential guitar solo in there that you hear, heard on a lot of 70s songs. So it was, it's a product of the era that it came into, but it also really kind of bridges the two eras in there and it it's perfect in where it where it is in there which you know she's out outside she's obviously still hung up on this guy and i think it just really i, I think it was i mean i want to say perfect i like saying perfect a lot in these things but that's fine because a lot of these are we don't choose films because they were crap like we're talking about we, we might in the future and <laughs> I also give me that Grease 2 look. <laughs> Eddie and the Cruisers 2. Oh, oh, hey, oh, all right. You know, it's, I'm here to defend all the sequels, but another <laughs> another time, another place. So, and then she, by the way, I, I was told before we did this episode that there are some secret surprise movies that are out there. Well, that she's apparently got that she's going to suggest for us to do. Well, oh. I've got some of my own now. All right. So you'll, you'll see. Gauntlets are thrown. Yeah, I, I've got a few grenades in my pocket and the next film is my choice so watch out yeah um okay so and again just as a female like this song is such a wonderful like it just encapsulates being stuck on someone and just feeling like you can't get past them and you're just about them and it it, i feel like so many girls would happily sing this in their car listen to it and be like oh like i just like him or her so much and like i don't want to let it go it's such a wonderful teen angst moment and olivia newton john is olivia newton john beautifully done and, and she was at the almost at the peak of her career, so she was a rising talent at that at that point. And this movie really helped her to to get there. I mean, of course, you know, you got physical and and Xanadu coming, oh, you know, in the future. Another for time, another. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> so, yes, Xanadu. So we have. So there's still like more for her in in coming up. But this really sort of, I mean, her, she had her oh, first hit catapulted. in 1975, and this really took her from, look, I've had a, I've had a hit, people know who I am, to, like, superstar. Yes, yeah, st- into the stratosphere her and John Travolta went. Um, well, and, and speaking of John Travolta, so now we're getting to the next, you know, big song, which I have so many thoughts on. Greased Lightning, it is, it's time, folks. It is time for that part of the movie, Greased Lightning. And it's a, uh, I I always, so there's one of those things, and here I'm, I'm going to digress a little bit, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep it relevant. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to rein you in a little bit. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's one of those, I always, well, I always kind of wonder if people as like, 
as an actor and 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 you would know this coming from a musical theater background and being you know a star of lighting commercials in the Colorado Springs area and things like you had that. To say, yes, I did. You're and, welcome. And yes. a friend of ours saw it also. Oh my gosh! So I really? still I have not, but it's we, out there. <laughs> we, Okay, I'm going to tell this story real quick because if we're going to hear about my my Richie Cunningham days, so our 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 esteemed Felicia Sky was in a in a commercial here locally, and I saw it when I was getting ready in the morning, and the, then the very that night I was going to I'm I'm in a tribute band, um, which she's going to sing some background for and, hey! and some stuff like that, but uh, I go in there and and he had. A friend of ours says, uh, "Where's Where's Felicia for the for the thing?" And I said, "Oh, well, you know, she's once we get this going, we'll be able to bring her in for vocals and stuff like that." We're still yeah. learning the songs, and and he goes, "Oh, she's probably just too busy making lighting commercials oh and my things God. like that." And I was like, "You saw that too? Oh <laughs> it was the same day." <laughs> so. That's- Yes, I I did I did appear in a in a local lighting commercial, and it's been funny because I, I've been getting a lot of those. Um, like people will text me like, "Hey, I saw you in a commercial," and I'm like, "That's great." I still have not seen it. Apparently, I am not subscribed to the right services, or if it's on like K- I don't even know where it's playing. I don't, I'm shocked that this many people have seen it. It was on the local news. <laughs> it was you know, okay. in the morning. The morning news is when I saw. It. Uh, That's also when our our friend saw it too. As okay. Well. But, oh yeah. But my That's question fun. being is that how difficult is it to sit there and grease light this is perfect this this white ties into grease lightning. How yeah. how easy is somebody who to sort of suspend not reality, but sort of suspend your sense of that this is not the silliest thing that we're that we're doing right now. Because I look at this and they've got their their faces and this like the you know how the you know, stage acting is very animated because you need to be able to see it from a from a far distance, and yeah. you need to be able to see you know convey those those emotions and things like that. And in the movie, they kind of they do a good job of that. Uh, but the little numbers and things like where they're all doing kind of these silly things, like I would not be able to stop cracking up in some of these things because they're so over the top and and silly. And the one where they're he's on the car and they're pointing and doing all that. How difficult is it to, to do that? Or is it just something that's like, I just accept this as part of the role and I just go and do it? That That's actually a really good question. Um, I think because a lot, you know, so much of this number I think is rooted in the stage production and it feels that way with like the choreography and the way that they filmed it and staged it. Um, it really, it does have such a musical theater classic kind of vibe to it and i think you just no pun intended but like you you go for that ride so um it it does have like a campiness and in some ways you're like this is supposed to be the epitome of like the cool guys being cool talking about like putting their car together but they're it's like it's so incredibly silly and playful but i think it's just like you said you give yourself over to it and you realize that these are teenage boys who are just having this fantasy of building this incredible car that women won't be able to resist. And you were talking earlier about kind of the bravado that males put out there, but then also what happens behind closed doors. And when I see this number, I just see teenage boys like being silly, ridiculous teenage boys. Like there is some of that, that it's not like, I'm just the epitome of cool all the time. Like we're goofy, we're silly, we play, and they're getting lost in in this fantasy. And 
kudos to the entire cast, but especially Jeff Conway and John Travolta, because even though it is so like wacky, I feel like they still really sell it. Like you're still totally on board with these with these two guys who, you know, have like this air about them playing around in this car and it still works. Yeah, and that's a I'm I'm glad you brought that up. I I talked about my own kind of acting, you know, 30 years ago, Your but career. Yes. Uh, oh well, and 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 I was an extra in two shows. Um I Boom. Did, I did have a sad card for a year. So no kidding. I did, yeah. What? Who is this? I don't even know who you are. Cuz I cuz I said three words. I said, "Hey, watch out." So, three words. Yeah. Uh, or, or hey, watch it. In the interest of of this podcast not being a three hour experience for our <laughs> our fans, I I will ask you to elaborate on that at a later date. But okay. What the heck? But it it I I've always thought this one was the silliest of all the scenes in the movie, and that includes Beauty School Dropout, which we haven't even gotten to yet. Yeah, we're not there. But this one is so like you said, it's it's just fun. They're being like. Well, this car is going to, it does everything. And at the end of the movie, it does, apparently. But it's... it's, Oh, (laughs) some whimsy in there. Um, Okay, so I do have a soapbox that I I have to get on because it wouldn't be right if I didn't. Hold on, let me get it real quick. Yep. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, Step up. No, watch out. All right. Okay, good. I'm good. Okay, here we go. So this out of all, maybe this and Summer Nights are probably tied for like the two songs that are always done by like in high school variety shows or i've even seen like more like conservative like, church groups or whatever like these are just two classic songs that are always like pulled in like pulled out of the grease hat and done and it cracks me up because i'm like for people trying to find the most quote-unquote appropriate songs to have fun with and like let kids perform greased lightning is 180 percent not that song it is, I would say, the most overtly sexual and explicit song in the entire movie. And yet I have seen it done time and time again by high school, by middle school students. And I'm like, do do people not actually realize what this song is ab- about? And it's not even that veiled. Like, if you look <laughs> at the lyrics, it, it like there are some things explicitly said and in terms of like their intentions for this car and what they they hope to get out of it um and it just floors me every time that i watch this and i'm like oh my god like people just do not seem to realize what this is yeah it's a uh <laughs> it's it's not like you said not veiled references it's it's fairly overt uh, on there but it's it fits in perfectly with what these characters are with each other and it, it's a fun song. It's probably my, like I said, my least favorite though of Interesting. the, of the okay. songs on there. Um, I, I don't, I, I'm not sure why. I think there's just, and it may be a sliding scale because I, I do think that that there's just so much more stronger songs on there. But I, I mean, and it, and it, it, I'm not even sure if you took it out of the movie whether it would change too much in the film. Like, I think you could have that scene without the song, and I think it would still, the film would still be okay. Um, but it, it was, it plays a part in it, in the, in its final cut form, and just that it sort of reemphasizes that. And that the car is going to play a role in the, 
in the movie. So yeah, it's true. It really doesn't. It doesn't move the plot forward in any way. I would just say this is simply gratuitous fun. Like this is just like we're gonna watch them dance around. We're gonna watch them in this like fantasy sequence, building the ultimate car, having carnal fantasies about what it'll bring them, and it's. Yeah, the music. That's a good term. The the music is great. Like they're all singing, dancing, and just having a good old time. And that's all that it serves. Like that's, yeah, that's everything you get out of it. But I think that equates to a lot for a lot of people. It's so classic that song. And it is. I think. And like you said, I mean, Glee did it during their their Grease. Oh, that's right. They did do a Glee or a Grease arc. Oh, so Glee. Yeah, yeah. Glee is one of those. You know, it's funny too because Glee is one of those that exposed a lot of, a lot of younger people to some of these older songs. Totally. And and I t- I still talk with, you know, my, my daughter is a, a Gleek, and she, she always talks about is it. like, oh well, I know this song from from Glee, and I'm like, well, but it was done by this person <laughs> in 1984, right? And it's like, oh, they did a whole thing on Billy Joel. That's how I know all these songs. I'm like, ugh. You're like, well, I'll take it because at least you know it exists. But ugh. Yeah. <laughs> and you're getting that exposure. So I think that's uh, that's worth something. And then, OK, so so Grease Lightning happens. And now we're getting if if I'm not mistaken, we are now leading into the dance. Well, we do a beauty school dropout. <gasps> oh, see how. Oh, yep. That that is a that is a cinema sin. No, no affiliation um, <laughs> for me. Okay, beauty school dropout, Frankie Avalon, Frenchie's pink hair. Her pink hair, her guardian angel, Frankie Avalon, beauty school dropout. The lyrics I love, by the way, on 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 go back to high school. You know. Oh, it's 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 still one of his most requested. or was one of his most requested songs through the rest of his career. It was huge, and he him. was an icon of that era as well, like a. You know, a teen sort of idol in those days. Um, him and Annette Futicello and their beach blanket bingo and all that fun stuff. Oh, that's right. So that was a big part of of that era as well. So that and that's why they chose him for that. They thought he would, you know, he represented that. And and he's I think he's mentioned earlier actually in one uh, uh, Sandra D. I think. Um, but yeah, it was. Uh, I, I mean, it's just so that's such a sort of. This fantasy, I mean, it's a daydream, but it's this fantasy of, of hers and she's just going to make it as this, you know, go to beauty school and all this kind of stuff. And and it's just a great, it's just a great scene. She does really fantastic. And I didn't notice the first 72 times that I watched this film <laughs> that the other ladies from the from the movie are in the yes it took me forever to <laughs> notice that well. that you have the actresses um, Stalker Channing and, and Jan and Marty in there with the with like the fake curler head pieces like the bright chrome oh and it it's funny again to to talk about watching it so uh we're sitting there watching it and then jordan is like hey pause this and we pause it and he goes to a a dream sequence in the big lebowski which also has like these big headdresses and kind of walking down the stairs and this whole thing and he's like it kind of reminds me of that like this trope of of like the big dreamy kind of larger than life thing and i'm like that's so cool that it's it's that kind of that kind of like cinematic visual piece has been around for so long and it, it like they're all under the the hair dryers and 
Dee Dee Khan in an interview was talking about how all of her reactions in that scene are 100% genuine. She's like, I was sitting there and then boom, there's Frankie Avalon and he was dreamy and he was singing and it was, I was just overwhelmed. Like that's legitimately just what my face was doing, watching him perform. And I can't believe they got him to come in and do this. And it was, I think he was also getting better exposure at that time too with the nostalgia revival. And mm -hmm. he was starting to be, because I remember him being in, some 80s films and stuff where he always sort of played that that older uh former teen idol type thing and they always kind of paid homage to his to his previous films which were very light-hearted not cinematic you know masterpieces out there they were they were dancing on a beach and but it's funny because you bring up that that the big lebowski but you also th I, I start i saw so many different references in my mind it, later on um, even like uh, uh, Material Girl by by Madonna the video for that for the descending staircase and people you know dancing around the staircase I'll have and to all watch that. that so you get like a lot of these themes uh, very often in kind of that era that was really a big thing is have these sort of extravagant type numbers that they would have at shows and and like on honest to goodness it is such a smooth wonderful croony swoony kind of song it's just so talk about easy listening it's just fantastic and he sounds great on it it's and again it really doesn't serve it serves i guess the purpose of showing you know frenchie reconciling that she's gonna drop out of beauty school and actually re-enroll at rydell and be with her friends um, but in a lot, like, but it's such a gratuitous, huge number that you're like, you know what? We're just playing. We're going to go for it. Yeah. We're going to have fun. And visually it's, yeah, it is dreamy. It is. It's great. And, and again, nothing, there's not enough that can be said about her pink hair in this as well. Like talk <laughs> about iconic. I love it. Yeah. It's, it's like you said, it doesn't, it, it fits in a little bit. Um, well, you said about because of the, the drop, uh, leaving beauty school and all that, and having this guardian angel that he represents, that's Frankie Avalon. But it's it's sort of like Grease Lightning in that it's the number's not really necessary, but with that one, though, I think without it, I think the film would be a little less interesting. As opposed to Grease Lightning. And that's just my opinion. No, that's, and, and I'm usually... I'm shocked to hear you say that, but I'll, like, I have to like chew on that, but that's interesting. Yeah, I, I just think it just adds... It's just fun. Um, as, as fun as the other one, but it's just different. Just not a Grease Lightning guy. I'm just not. It's okay. I don't even... I don't play, even play against stereotype. That's great. I don't even like the chemical like you use you know, to clean stuff with, Grease Lightning. <laughs> <laughs> and I have some of that, and I'm mad at it because I went to clean my grill with some of that stuff, and it the the spout was broken, and I think what, and that made me upset. Maybe that's why I still hold this bitter resentment towards that song is because grease lightning is really not doing it for you in any yeah. in any form. It's really not. Wow, and, and All it's right. and it's upsetting that I have like a half clean grill because of that well shoot all right well if anyone out there you know is affiliated with anyone from the grease lightning chemical company you let them you let them know that we want to see some changes please do that's lobo radio at ymail.com and you can get in get in touch with in touch jeez i'm stumbling i it's evening i, I probably ingested grease lightning that's why i can't speak <laughs> be warned but so it, it so we get from that now we go into the dance yes 
which I'm so excited to talk about because I feel like this dance is such an amalgamation. There's there's your word for the day, kids. Um, such a great amalgamation of, of music and dancing and visuals. Like, it is just a blast, this whole sequence. I was having... Like, I was having a fantastic time watching all of this. I think even more so than when I was young. Like, it's just energy, and there's so many great songs that are coming in here. It's 147 songs. I counted it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> For a second, I was like, oh, my God. And they're all, like, like, a minute and 30 seconds long. Right. Well, this is, I would say, the biggest concentration of snippets that you're going to get through the whole thing is, like, we are just going to get little, like, bits and pieces under dialogue, bits and pieces of, of you know, things that they're dancing to. Um but yeah, they're they're just going for broken. This is the Shanana's big big moment in the movie. And Shanana had a show, too, which I vaguely remember. Yes, they had their own show. I, I told you, fifties were everywhere in the late seventies, okay. early eighties. Okay. That was everybody was into that Nostal- like that nostalgia bug. It really was, and there were a bunch of like fifties, sixties. That's that's where like. Uh, AM gold radio stations came out, which were 50s and 60s. Nah, golden oldies, yeah. Uh, you know, oldies really originated in that in that time frame as well. And that's when you started to get those. And they had like those DJs that were just total pukers, which were, <laughs> you, you, you know what I'm talking about. It's <laughs> total like, pukers. Yeah, because it, it sounds like they're vomiting on a microphone. So it's a lot of it's like, these are the racks and sex. You know, the, <laughs> <laughs> I'm never going to be able to get that out of my head. Pukers. Ugh. And we're really out there, you know that kind of that kind of thing. Yeah, it sounds like they're really like over animated, kind of and, yeah. and that had to do with a lot with the microphones that they had back then. But there was also like a whole show. But Shanana, that's really. I mean, you, they were featured prominently in, in this, and they're almost some of the scenes are almost secondary to what their performance is of all these kind of great songs in there. And you have you have a lot of them in there. I mean. You've got. Let me see. I have oh, a list. You know, please pull up the list because it's it's a really good one. So you've got uh, Rock and Roll is Here to Stay. Yes. Um, those Magic Changes, Tears on My Pillow, Hound Dog. Like, oh, there's a, a bunch of these that are in the, in the dance there. Born to Hand Jive, Blue Moon. I mean, it's a, it's a huge song. And those are all era-specific songs, too. They're, they're not ones. A lot of those were not written for, 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 the, for the, uh, the movie. They were actually, like, popular songs in that era. So that's where you kind of tie the... The songs from the era to to this um, to the to the movie and to the the songs that were written to, for the movie and it and, and it's just perfect. Like the scene's great. You got the creeper. The, oh, oh <laughs> Vince Fontaine. And and, oh, and, and, and oh, a no. and a semi consensual flirting scene with a seventeen year old. Which was as, when I went and watched when I went back and watched this, I was like, wait, what is going on right? here? I never paid it much attention, and oh, oh, it's oh, it's so troubling. I I would say if I'm st- like truly troubled by anything in Greece, where I'm like it just cannot stand. It's this dynamic. Like what a creep show. This man hitting on Marty, and of course she's like and the, she reciprocates. Well, and it's like here, but here's the thing though. If I can pull this card. Is that you know she's like the the you know the awestruck child, and this is a full blown grown man right. who is is like giving into into the interest of this minor. It's ugh, ugh, it's icky. It's so icky. He's gross. Well, it's it's kind of a uh, uncomfortable era for a lot of 
a lot of songs. I, I was watching somebody on on TikTok, and they were they were taking songs from that era. And it's like, young girl, get out of my life. Yes, my yes. love for you is way out of line. Like, yep. Hey, what? Okay, and that's not the only one. Like, there's there's lots of those examples in there, and. And, and, and this is one of those where I, when I went back and walked in, I, did she put up a fight? I was like, yeah, okay, that's era thing. But I'm like, hmm. <clears throat> and it was one of those, it's, it was that unspoken, it's like, well, I didn't, I didn't know she was underage. He does. Yeah. Oh, he does. You're she's at, at a high school dance. Like, <laughs> so. she's a student at this school. It and well and and again you're getting another one of these like veiled references where she's like like my name is Mary or a Marty Maraschino you know like yeah. I'm Cherry and he just kind of gives her that look of like oh and I'm like oh oh yeah icky that's the creeper word of the movie yes he is he is he is the grossest by miles of anyone in this movie so ugh, ugh, ugh. <laughs> so uncomfortable to watch it's so not okay um but yeah and and we have like the big like that that big thing made out with like the toilet paper and like the paper mache it's supposed to look like a ranger i think that's the school's mascot and they've right. got it's in the gym and they have like the streamers everywhere and they're like spiking like the punch table and um yeah, like like as they're entering the dance, as they're doing like their warm up numbers, you have Shanana covering a lot of really huge hits. Um, I remember when I watched it originally as a kid, knowing Hound Dog, and I was like, oh, I think I've heard like I've heard you know Elvis do that do that song. Right. Um, I thought I may have heard him do it once or twice. I didn't know Elvis covered that. Song. I've heard about that guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then I have to say, for me, like the creme de la creme of this whole sequence and of Shanana is Born to Hand Jive. I have listened to that so many times since revisiting um, this uh, this soundtrack. It is, oh God, like forgive me for saying this, but it is a bop. Born, <laughs> born to Hand Jive. It slaps. Oh, ugh, ugh, yes. <laughs> We've been reduced to this, but it's so, it is high energy, it's fun. The choreography is great. Like these kids are just going for it, and I just, I'm all about it. I'm all about this sequence. Well, that whole that whole dance scene is well choreographed. I mean, it's and here's the funny thing about this: that dance scene for a lot of people, people don't remember that scene. Uh, which is, if you talk to just a, a layperson walking down the street and say, "What do you know about Greece?" Oh summer nights uh, grease lightning yeah they'll they'll remember all those things but this is actually the the pinnacle of the movie like this is the kind of the 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 big scene in the entire movie is this thing i did it again i hit my my thing it's rich is drunk again it's it's a (laughs) we won't go there today but uh (laughs) but it's a it's a huge huge part and a lot of it was building up to that and then it kind of it, it just flows through that, but it's 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 a huge part of it. There's so many songs. There's there's, there's two really big choreographed pieces in it because you have the line dance too thing too that they do. Oh right, yeah, yeah, and, like kind of like the Soul Train yeah. thing. Yeah. So you have these kind of very elaborate sort of scenes. And that's tears on my pillow. Things, yeah, and and it's, but I don't think a lot of people remember that, and it it sticks out to me, but. It's the beginning and the end, basically, I think that most people remember because, you know, you're the one that I want is 
yeah, and it's right at the end, and we belong together, you know, but that's, or we go together, sorry, and those two songs people remember, but this, I think this one just gets overlooked, and it's a fun, to me, it's the most fun part of the, of the film, and, you know, of course, you have the, the mooning in it, too, but, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) blue moon, yes, blue moon um and uh, you know and it is it's it's so high energy you have all this choreography going on you kind of have like rizzo and her uh, her date uh, from the scorpions like doing like their kind of um you know risque kind of thing and they get kicked out and then you got like danny and sandy doing like their little you like lasso bit and then she gets thrown out of the dance another i gotta say danny is not doing great here he allows his date to like literally get replaced and doesn't go after her my cha-cha you oh by cha-cha cha-cha <laughs> oh so i had a thing for cha-cha <laughs> really i i mean i guess i can see it but again th- how old is this woman like in her 30s like it's gotta be it's a grown a grown woman best dancer at saint bernadette's with the worst reputation yeah and it looks like danny i think apparently had some sort of thing with her as well but yeah so danny and sandy are doing this great little cutesy lasso routine and then sunny that's his name sunny sunny grabs her throws her on out of there and then we get the big you know the big dance with him and cha-cha and god travolta is back in his lapels this time electric pink lapels just just it's fantastic just getting it yeah and and apparently all he does is win dance contests yeah that seems to be he's like if you need a guy who is kind of cool and likes the ladies who's gonna try to win a dance contest john travolta ladies and gentlemen that's that's your guy and you have to replace the original person in order to do it that's yes. the other thing. So he has to switch dance partners <laughs> yes. at the very end <laughs> to be oh able to, to be able to win dance contests. I did not even think about that. That's so good. I wonder if that was contractually written into his contract. Too. He's like, uh, all right, <laughs> I'm going to win a dance contest every film I'm in. <laughs> at least as part of this arc. Yeah. I was going to say, I really wish that that would have followed him through his career. Like, I wanted to see that in Pulp. Well, in Pulp Fiction, he he's in a dance contest at the bar with Uma Thurman. Um, I don't know, maybe like Broken Arrow or something. Yeah. It would have been great to see him face off. Gotta, <laughs> gotta win a dance him contest. Nicholas Cage. <laughs> I'm one hundred. If anyone of importance is is listening in the movie industry, I'm one hundred percent in for that film. I will opening night. I will buy a ticket. Face off the musical. Oh, done, done. <laughs> I'm in. Um, but yeah, and it, it just it culminates in this in this great dance sequence. I mean, John Travolta is such a a wonderful like a wonderful natural talent with dance and it's it's a blast to watch they win the big contest and then they're doing a somewhat respectable you know without drama not without drama so yeah and then and then we get the you know they're doing like i was saying like a, a a pretty respectable little little slow dance and and then you get then you get the T-Birds coming in, mooning everybody, and it's, <laughs> it's, oh, oh, I mean, I would say, oh, high school, but I don't remember anyone in my high school ever doing that, but it, it's just part of, like, the silly, immature kind of, you know, vibe we've had through the whole movie. Well, we, we did that in my high school. We had dances. Ha <laughs> ha. <laughs> 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 We never really did that, and no, the uh, the the mooning thing. I I was never privy to any any events where that sort of thing happened. But it it it's just another one of those like eye rolly, chuckly 
moments with, with chuckly. this chuckly. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, thanks. That's that's a that's a new one for me too. But I, I, I chuckly is going to be added. Uh, you had a couple other ones earlier. I, I'll, I'll go back and listen. I'll write them down. I'll make sure that we add that to the perfect to the post. As many chucklies as you can get <laughs> in there. Is, <laughs> That's going to be our new thing. So, how many chucklies did you give this scene? How in, many <laughs> in the movie? I, I dare you to find another podcast that has that metric. I really do. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back with that. Sandy, tell me about it. So out of out of it, things that are chuckly, we ended up going to the then the drive-in, which is the next big scene in that, and that's where we get John Travolta, who maybe he is a little underappreciated as a vocalist. Uh, he he can hold his own. He, he I mean he's not great. I mean he's not you know Josh Groban or somebody, but. <laughs> He, he's <laughs> very different take on Danny Zuko. If we get Josh Groban in that, right? Wow, what a what a show that would be. I, I would I would love to hear that version. I would also pay for a ticket to that as well. Yes, Just Josh Groban, if you're out there, I, I'll come and see you wherever you are, sir. If you're one of the four fans, I'm I'm guessing by the time we finish this, since this is like the longest podcast, that's the podcast Ever. that never ends. Yeah. And, but I mean, it's such a it's such a great film. I think you'll enjoy it. You know, you can pause. You can go eat lunch. I know you're listening at work. <laughs> go eat lunch. Come back. We'll still be here. Still talking about Greece. We'll wait for you. But uh, but anyway, so they so they get to the the, the drive in, and we get a little bit of that, a uh, little bit of more of kind of Danny from the beginning part of the film. Yeah, he really pushes it. This is just not uh, like, this is not a smart way to go about this, my guy. This is if you were really hoping to to you know further solidify yourself in a relationship with Sandy, I feel like you are just really batting O for nothing. Like you take her out after you let her after you ditch her at the dance, and then I will say Jordan and I were both laughing out loud as this whole sequence plays out where they're sitting at the movie, and then he pretends to sneeze so that he can like put his arm around her shoulder, and then he's just sitting there and he's like slowly trying to reach down to like hop a feel, and he just thinks he's so slow. <laughs> And you're, oh, oh man. And I, this is also one of those things about Greece where you're like, I don't know how to feel about it because he kind of just like jumps her essentially. And you're like, in what, in like, in what world was this going to work out for you? Like, what was your plan here? Because of course he does stop and she storms, she storms off, throws the ring, you know, back at him and she's out of there. But like, I don't know where Danny, as he was mapping this out in his head, where he thought this was going to go. Yeah, it, it it's tough. I think because it's those expectations, right? And it's, yeah. it's like eventually you 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 talk enough that you're like, well, I need to I need to back that up with something. I need to have that. And and even though we're watching thirty year old people try to be teenagers, we're still in that mindset, that fantasy that they are. And and in that case, it's like, well, I don't know how to act. Like I don't know how to act on on things. And I was always a I was the opposite, I guess. I was always told I was not aggressive enough in in nah. relationships. So Interesting. Danny's trying to go on the exact opposite of of that, where he's just like, I'm gonna be aggressive because that's all I know how to do. And luckily, I mean she says she says no and there's no further incident of that. Um, but 
it's it's one of those things too it's like just wake teenage boys are and i think they capture that fairly well in there it's because we don't know anything and it's it's real easy for us to look back on you know if i look back on it now it's like oh i wish i had this brain and when i was when i was that age because i i'd know better how to do things but i can't because i was just a dumb kid then and they're really just dumb kids and even even you know even though the women and girls are at that age are a lot more mature um they're still dumb kids too and it's we're we're all trying to learn things and you kind of hope that sometimes those mistakes don't come back (laughs) and bite you yeah um, and you have some sort of good judgment and i think i think he does eventually i mean he doesn't push push it any further and you know yeah. For the most part. Well, and, and again, before we, you know, this parlays right into the next big music sequence, Sandy, um, which we'll, we're about to dive into. But just to also also say that there's two simultaneous things going on in this scene. You have, you know, Danny attempting to kind of get further with Sandy by sheer force blows up in his face. Yeah. But then you also find out that Rizzo potentially is pregnant. Right. And of course news travels fast you watch the groups of kids like from car to car telling each other and she so she's walking around everyone now knows kaniki thinks it's his and i don't know again are they lying people might be lying in this movie um but she tells him it's not his it was it's somebody else because he offers to you know stick by her and see it through or whatever and she kind of like cuts him loose and he has this really interesting line where he says thanks kid and it's it's such a weird interesting exchange it's almost like he might know that she's lying but she's giving him the out of not dealing you know with with what could have potentially happened because when they were fooling around in the car earlier like there's this whole hilarious sequence where he has and maybe Kaniki hadn't done anything before then because he pulls out the condom out of his wallet and it it's broken because he bought it in this what the seventh grade yeah. <laughs> and he had never used it and they decide to to go forth anyway and so, like, yeah, this and, you know, this is going to start kind of a little side story for Rizzo and how she's treated and, yeah, what what she's going to go through. And I, and it could be a little bit, too, of her recognizing that, look, that's not the future that she that she wants and that this thing, which is not. And she could be lying to herself, too, because based on the ending, it, it it could be like she's lying to herself about how what she actually feels about Nikki, that this is just a, a rebound thing from from Danny, something to pass her time. And then she's just like, you, know, you see in the movies a lot of times where they sit there and they're just like, ah, damn it. Yeah. I guess I'm in love with this person. And, and that's yeah, I got uh, in my own way. Yeah. And, and that and that happens. And, and I think this might be just one of those cases that she didn't expect to really want to with him and but she does yeah yeah and that yeah ultimately she does and that's i think that's a big part of part of that at least in 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 the scene leading up to kind of the finale where everything sort of comes comes together comes together greatly because they they go together (laughs) (laughs) um okay and just to circle back really quick to our ultimate villain of the film mr vince vontaine um when when Marty and Rizzo were in like the bathroom and Rizzo's giving us the information about how she's late and she thinks she might be pregnant. Um, Marty is like trying to give her a pep talk and is like, I forget what leads up to it, but she's like, yeah, blah, 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 something. I caught Vince Fontaine trying to slip aspirin in the, in my Coke at the dance. Huh. And I'm, uh, uh, 
but it's so he is the worst the lecherous oh god it's so like for this being like grease like the thing that you like you watch for fun there are some like little like subtle things in there that are kind of heavy yeah they really are that is messed up yeah when you're talking about like roofing somebody a teenager yeah yeah. (laughs) had a school dance too yeah oh yeah it's then you're then you're there's a there's a line there that that just is you don't expect to be there in a in a sort of a light-hearted I mean, it's a it's a romantic. Like it's a love story ultimately. Yeah. Um, but you don't expect something like that, and it's a throwaway line. Mm-hmm. It is to most people, and but in this case, it when we start to put these pieces and we start to analyze, like we do, you know, and we get well, we don't get paid for this, but. <laughs> One day. Yeah. Um, Anybody wants to advertise, by the way. You can 100% we're in. Lobo Radio at ymail.com. We will say Email whatever the man. you want. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like this is also my thing about Greece is that for as much as it is everywhere in our culture and they show it at like drive-in movie nights and on television, like you were saying in syndication, this is not a kid's like family movie. It is not. Like it's it's great for what it is, but I feel like it's completely misrepresented in our culture because this content is is not like high school musical. No. Not even a little bit. No, we're not all in this together. And and <laughs> they go together, they're not all in it to two yes. distinctly different things. <laughs> exactly. And and it's funny because it's funny you mentioned that because people in in some television shows I've seen, it's like, oh, we're doing the school play. What, what school play are we doing? We're going to do Grease. And I'm going to be Rizzo. What? Like, that is not uh, uh, something that you would have at, like, a school play. It, you'd have to cut a lot out of that well, to be able to do it. I mean, you could do, like, the generic part of it, but there's a lot, like, a lot of subtleties that you, especially if you're doing it based on the movie. Now... That one sign, like, what did she put up a fight? I guess that's not in the Broadway one version right. either. And and so things like that. But if you're doing it based on the movie and unlicensed, uh, <sighs> you, you're you going to have to cut some stuff out. It's not a, it's a high school thing either for especially, like, ninth graders. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, is that actually the movie version is really, t- like, they did tone down some that's things true. from the stage version. And that was a big controversy with the, the show's writer. And they ultimately... Um, did not like he was barred from the set because he was getting too he was meddling too much in how they were reworking the script and the dialogue because they were trying to tone it down the original version um, it actually takes place in Chicago and not in California and there's a lot more references to like gang violence and drinking and it, it does have a lot of overt sexual content my high school went ahead and just did the full bore like the version like there were no edits and I was just like, I am watching these two high schoolers just like put their tongues down each other's throat, like, you know, Kaniki and Rizzo just making out and there's switchblades and there's guns and there's all these like (laughs) sexual, like it's, it's not a, yeah, for it being such a, like a go-to classic musical, this is in no way like child-friendly material. Like there's so many other shows that are considered like taboo that I would think are tamer than Greece, but Greece just ha- again this really weird misrepresentation in our culture. It's like seen as one thing, but if you actually watch it, it's it's not that. <laughs> it's not all poodle skirts and milkshakes. No, well, I kind of liken it to uh, the Simpsons, and I'll and I'll 
there's there's okay, so I'm gonna take the Simpsons in Greece. I'm gonna find this this link. I'm ready to see you bridge this. When my daughter was young, and she would watch The Simpsons at like two or three years old, four years old, because she doesn't understand half the humor in it. Sure, so yeah. it's it's whatever. When she got to a certain age, it's like, okay, now you're not going to watch Simpsons anymore until you're like 12. Same thing with Grease. It's like, like I was saying earlier, you can get it early, but then there's a point where I don't want to sit there and have to explain what that means. Or, because you're going to start picking up yeah, on it. Yeah. And I don't want to have those conversations. I'm not, I'm not ready. No. <laughs> to lead you through that. Because it's, it's going to detract from me being able to watch the film. So I'd rather just not do it. But that's how, that's where I kind of put them together is that there's there is you can watch it at a very like I said when I was younger I sit there and listen to the songs and I didn't really pay attention to what the dialogue was it was just on there's music playing it was great I could play you know magazines and I didn't play magazines I don't know if that's a game you can play but I, I would sit there and read them or I would just do whatever and you can then you can do it like where you're just paying attention but you're not really engaging with it but then if you really start to think about it. You, you experience it at a whole different level. And when I kind of went in looking at it from what we were trying to get out of it, which is discussing this this film in a, in a much deeper level, uh, well, the soundtrack and how it associates with the film, then I started to see some other stuff. So that's kind of where Simpsons and Grease tie together. One, no, 100% valid point, and it's true. Um, so, yeah, so, I mean, we're muddling our way through, you know, through this kind of what's becoming ever more complicated of a plot for these quote unquote young characters. Right. You have to try to keep remembering they're supposed to be like 17 years old. Um, and then and then we get Danny's uh, big solo, Sandy, which, uh, you know, was written um, in kind of homage to a lot of those like oldies classics like that always had a girl's name in the title, like Sherry or like, well, Bernadette's Four Tops, that's a little bit earlier. But you it's just like this very like classic, like male, like ballad, yeah. like pining for the woman that they want. And Travolta kills this, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. And that was always the thing. If you want to get a girl to like you, you write a song about her. Mm-hmm. So and still works. <laughs> yeah, I've I've tried that a few times uh over the years. Oh no. But it was always with people I was already with, so okay. I guess you know. It's okay, like, that I might be better. I didn't go hang outside some girl's house with, and with be the like boombox, and yeah, and be like Heather. <laughs> oh, there was a Heather. Well, there were three of them in my <laughs> my dating life. So Heather's. Yes. Oh, but that that sh- film has a special meaning for much you. Much different meaning for for me. <laughs> but yes, but anyway, so that was that was one of, and I think you're right on that. That was. Definitely, um, I think it's John Travolta's kind of good focus on him. I mean, Olivia Newton-John had hers earlier in the film. Now he has his here, where it's about about him and and Sandy. Yeah. Oh, Sandy. Yeah, and I mean, you're you're getting this, you know, kind of moment from Danny of just realizing that he is just fumbling his way through this, and he really just does want to be with her, but just has no idea of how to go about it. And it like it's written wonderfully. Travolta gives a really, really good vocal performance on it. You also get the really fun, um, 
you know, like cartoons in the background, like the vintage cartoons. And they did plan it specifically so that right as he like finishes and he's like doing that Travolta, I call it the Travolta thing where he's just like, <laughs> like his Frankie Valley kind of like nasally, that thing that will come back in, an, in a later musical he was in. Um, but they they timed it just so because they really wanted the hot dog jumping into the bun right as right as he was finishing up because they were like oh we could still fit a little bit more innuendo in here we're not we're not done yet yeah no and, and i appreciate that i it wouldn't have been the same without the hot dog in the bun really wouldn't have been a hamburger would not have worked there no a hundred percent confusion from yeah. everyone in the audience um but but again like the way this song plays out the way they filmed it and and staged it and the way travolta approached it and and performed it i feel like it does have such a great oldies like man pining for the girl that he wants vibe and it encapsulates like the frustration of they keep trying to make this thing work and they just keep like bounce like they want each other so bad but it just like keeps bouncing off because of their approach and like the types of people that they are and i this is one of those songs that i didn't care much about when i was younger but as i've listened to it and watched it getting older i really appreciate the sequence the song's really really good and it's a really solid moment for travolta on screen like it kind of makes you like it, it's endearing yeah i i was i I won't say that's one of the scenes that stands out to me as much as some of the other ones, but it's a, I think it's a, it's just a kind of feeds into what I say about Danny in general and that he's not just this kind of rough. He's not Kanicki. No, no, he's not. Like the like Kanicki is ironically played by the guy who played Danny at another time. But, yep. um, but Kanicki is, he is who he is. I don't feel like there's a real depth to, to him as a person. Not, Danny, nothing that Danny they give is, us, no. Is, Danny is a much more dynamic character, and, and that, this this kind of shows that a little bit. And he's just such a chameleon. He just fits into so many different, you know, he can live in Sandy's world. He can live in, in the T-Bird's world. He can live kind of in, in just the generic kind of 50s world out there. And and as you can tell, I guess, I'm, I was really... After I watched this again, really impressed with the depth to, to to Danny much more than I've realized in the past. That he's a much more interesting character than I think I ever gave him credit for when I just looked at it as an entertainment, just looking at the film for entertainment rather than analyzing it. Yeah, 100%. Um, and, and like we already said at the beginning, I think someone else in this role, it, like let's say you put Jeff Conway in in the role of Danny like he was on stage. I don't, it just wouldn't, all these qualities that make it what it is would not have been there. I think Travolta and this role put together are what created create well continues to create anytime you watch it that magic well john travolta i think has a there is a how do i describe it it's it's there's an innocence a a kind of fun part to to him in general to the characters that he brings so and it and it almost is sometimes it's it, it's borderline creepy and some like mm. I'm talking about like hairspray or something like that, where <laughs> where he can yep. sit there and smile to you, and it looks like he's being sincere, but there's something to it. In this case, I feel like he his character really was sincere. Like he used that to to convey that sincerity 
and and the the multi kind of layers to Danny's character much differently than in you know like Face Off, where. <laughs> Weirdly, we're talking a lot about Face Off in this pod. Like I've already mentioned that film twice more than I have in the last five years. <laughs> and, and and that's just in this eight-hour podcast that we've done. <laughs> Only in this 12-hour scene-by-scene <laughs> breakdown of Grease. Um, okay, so... Now, now we're all set up. We're moving into the third act of our movie. We're gonna we're Thunder Road. It's time to it's time to see what Grease Lightning can really do. And of course, like it doesn't uh, it doesn't all go according to plan. Kaniki does not get to race his car, which is unfortunate and kind of like kind of funny and ridiculous how how this whole scene like this whole thing plays out. But my boy saves the day. Your boy, your boy, Danny. Yeah, he does. Well, of course, like. Danny would be that character, to your point, that like randomly has to fill in at the last second and wins it. Of course. Without practice. Like he didn't even think about it. He wasn't preparing for this. He wasn't whatever. Like this wasn't like his dream. And yet he's like, okay, I'll jump in and do it. And then I'll, but I'll also win it for you too. No problem. And he's like, so like, he's so stone faced, you know, as they're driving, like he is just cool as a cat. He's like, no problem. And I, I kind of wonder if if, uh, if Grease Lightning would have won if Kaniki had driven. I don't I don't know that it, he would have won. I don't know if he would have. And it's one of those. I think if you were a creative writing teacher, it'd be one of those opportunities to kind of ask somebody to write about. Well, what would have happened if this happened? Like if if he had raced instead, what do you think the result would have been? And write like the last act or something like that. And I think that would be an interesting writing course or writing assignment to do. I had one. It was it was Wizard of Oz, and it was what if they took the red brick road? Oh, and, that's and, fun. And that was kind of like what what would have their experience have been if they had taken the red brick road? Because you remember they have like there's the, two of them. Yeah, yeah, there's two of them. And I think this would be kind of maybe interesting too. It's like well, come up with what that would have looked like. Would he have won? Would would uh, would Sandy be Singing again. Uh, well, look at look at me. I'm Sandra D. Uh, all sad and everything, but but that's where we kind of get the, the shift, where she realizes that this is a you know she really loves Danny. I've said this already. Like she really loves Danny. She really loves Danny. She's like, well, we're gonna get pulled apart. We're gonna be brought back together. We're gonna be pulled apart. And it's like that's the whole ebb and flow of the film. But you know that that scene where she's sitting on the on the embankment there. Yeah. And this is, I would say, the beginning of the controversy about what is the moral of Greece or, you know, Sandy, is she like a good, is she like a good leading female character? Because now she's sitting there just kind of questioning everything about herself and being like, I'm so innocent and I'm so unsure of myself and I've got to like, I've got to become something else because I want to be a part of this. And it's it's tough because on the one hand, you're like, well, yeah, like there's something to be said for growing up and, and maturing and coming out of a place of being fearful or insecure and just being bold. But there's also a thing with like throughout the rest of this movie, she never shows any issue with who she is or like her upbringing or her kind of more innocent persona. And it isn't until like her and Danny just can't get it together that she suddenly decides that I've got to drop all of this and tra- like and transform like we're about to do a major 160 is it at 160 math 180 180 180 we're about to do a major one uh, just testing you yeah um good job so <laughs> well 160 will get you in the opposite 
direction ish <laughs> you'll, you'll just have to kind of jog to the side a little bit. Okay. it's not a straight right turn. sandy you know doesn't quite get the get the look we get at the end of this movie at the 160 mark um but yeah she's about to do a complete turnaround and you don't really get any moment in the movie that sets it up really that she's like building to this up until she abruptly just decides i it's time to it's time to let go of the Sandra D thing and and do what I got to do to get my man. And Frenchie's going to help. And Frenchie, well, yeah, she is. Yeah, she is. <laughs> but I just realized, shame on us, because we did skip There Were Worse Things I Could Do, which happens before Grease Lightning. And True. And that's Rizzo's second. Second big moment. I mean, we, can't, we can't skip that song. And, and we didn't. Now we can skip it. <laughs> um, but yeah, really quick, Stalker Channing... You know, her and Sandy, Rizzo and Sandy finally kind of reconcile a little bit. And because Sandy's like the only person being nice to her, like everyone's gossiping about her and treating her like trash. And I think the lyrics of that song are really interesting because she's posing this idea that by her just being outwardly like, I'm going to do what I want and I don't pretend to be anything else is better than what all these supposed good girls are actually doing. And she's talking about some some interesting things about you know, I could I could stay home and, and wait for some guy to come around and take cold showers and let my life waste away. Or I could be a tease and I could, you know, like these other girls, I could, you know, give them all the signals and then like cut them off at the last second. But I'm a straight shooter. I follow through. I do what I say I'm going to do. And I think that that like in her opinion, she's like, that's better than what all these other girls are doing to, you know, like the way that they act in in society and I, I just think that's so interesting well and they both have that kind of I think that and then the Sandy singing look at me I'm Sandra D are both sort of realization things for it it's it's Rizzo coming to grips with with who she is Sandy coming to grips with <laughs> sort of who she is but also it's transformative for her to uh, go forward uh, into what's coming into the next scene she has to have that kind of moment. And I think Rizzo has that moment. And in, and at that moment, she it also leads her into the next scene after that. Uh, not this next scene from then, but the scene after the drag race going into the carnival. Uh, yep. So those two songs really explain a lot or sort of lead into that uh, next next part of the movie. Yeah, for sure. And and now we're we're getting into the the last moment, the last big moment, um, the senior carnival. This school must have a ton of money because this is one hell of a senior celebration. I must say, we got nothing close to our own private carnival. It looked awesome. This scene, I'm like, I want to go to this school. Well, we had Disneyland grad night at my school, but oh, that was damn. So that was fun, but. I'm not even going to tell you ours. That was stupid. So, I mean, Disneyland's not as cool as that carnival, but it's still pretty cool. You're talking to the person who has two Disney tattoos. I feel like Disneyland is like a trump card. That's that's pretty (laughs) freaking cool. But we we didn't have anything. I I don't think I could think of any other schools that had something like that. It's something really only exists in the Grease universe, right, I suppose. Yeah. But it's pretty cool. Like, I'm... I'd be there. But seeing Danny show up in his Letterman sweater or whatever. Because he lettered in track. Yeah. How do you like that? Like, the, we we never even talked about the weird, like, rhymey way that they, like, talk to each other. I don't, like, <laughs> it's just a grease that, like, there's there's rhymes. 
they talk in rhymes. I don't know if they come up with them ahead of time and like write them down or if they come up with them on the fly, but yeah, he, he letters in track and he has like a little white and red Rydell sweater on. Which he chucks after Sandy has changed to be like him. <laughs> and that's one of the interesting things too, because I think he he did that to become like her, to win her back and to show that he could do something, you know, and and transform himself. And then she transformed herself. But after he chucks the the sweater away, now they're just I mean, you've got her in this hair, which has to be a wig. I'm thinking like I, I wonder. I don't know if, if that's her hair or not. It's big. Yeah, it's a lot more hair than just the little ponytail she has earlier in the No, like that if, if that is her hair, they must have teased and sprayed the nonsense out of that. Yeah. It's gigantic. But I will say as a kid, I would watch this movie over and over, literally just trying to get to this moment. Like Sandy's like talk about an iconic look she shows up and you know of course it's it's like so classic you have like the three t-birds and they're like slapping each other's shoulders because they're like oh my god and there she is tight leather pants the 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 black shirt the red high heel shoes and cigarette hanging out of her mouth so now she's decided to take up smoking (laughs) but she doesn't know what to do with right which a couple (laughs) nights you know like at the sleepover had no clue what to do but now she's she's smoking it like a champ well, I don't know. She didn't even know what to. Oh right. <laughs> okay. I, I she I faked it well. She she knew <laughs> she how to. Faked it, yeah. She like knew how to like have it in her mouth and then like you know take a drag off of it, but then still needed a quick little like how do I how do I put it out? Yeah. Um. But God, I mean, there's there's a there's a debate about the end of this movie and what it means, and and that's worth discussing because yeah, the, I don't know that it necessarily is saying the best thing about relationships and how you should be in them. But I would be lying if I didn't say that Olivia Newton-John crushes this look. She looks amazing. And it's interesting that they did use that look in the poster for it. Right. So the movie poster movie poster for it, I don't have the P filter on mine that you do. Yeah. The movie poster for it has that look, which only exists for about six minutes in the entire film. And it's supposed to be like a big reveal. Like it's a big, yep. it, but no, it is like the the picture of, like it is the the marketing art. Yep. Really interesting choice. Um, but yeah, so she, you know, she has the red lipstick. She has the pants, which famously they had to sew her into. And so she couldn't like drink a lot or go to the bathroom um, because the, the zipper was broken on them. And, of course, she shows up on set. No one had seen her yet. And then everyone is just, like, drooling over Olivia Newton-John in this outfit. And then, yeah, Danny, like, we're getting into You're the One That I Want, charted number one, most successful song out of this movie. I must have listened to that song a thousand times as a kid. It's still, it's still so good. It will never stop holding up. I love that song. And every time it comes on, like, you're just you're singing along like you're uh, this whole sequence is one of I would say like one of the number like top three things that pops into your head when you think about Greece it really is this sequence and and that sequence and just that that song and it's interesting too because that song I remember seeing that as a video on the early days of MTV when they used to actually play videos on MTV when it was about music. Right, back when not, music TV was music. Yeah, not Teen Moms. Ugh. But it, but I remember that. No shame and, to Teen Moms, just we need more content. 
and they would and they would show it to be like John Travolta and Olivia the Newton John you're the one that I want and that was that scene was was the video and now keep in mind that at that time that song was only five six years old so it was a you know relatively recent song although although even you know even back then my dad tells these stories about back in the 60s it was it was brand new in the morning it was a hit by noon and it was an oldie by the afternoon that's how fast like trends went yeah and and it was just very interesting to to think about that in the 80s but yeah five years was still i thought it was old of course you know it's at the time I, i was pretty young so everything was old to me i was half my life at that point but it was just interesting because that's what I saw from Greece over and over and over again. And I don't get sick of that song. Oh, I don't nope. get sick of it now. It's, mm, it, yeah, again, another chef's kiss. It is, it is never not the best to listen to. And I, so this is another originally written song for the movie. Um, this sequence in the stage production, they have a completely different song for Sandy's big, like transformation reveal. And like, I wasn't aware of that when I saw the stage version and it was such an immense letdown to like, not only was the song that originally was in its place, not nearly as good, but because this song is one of like the top songs off the entire soundtrack it, it is such a complete letdown not to have this like musical moment in the sh- in the show and you know it's just in the movie and it's like eons better than its stage counterpart i i honestly could not imagine the the film without it Ugh, because no. that whole scene is is just a wrap-up of the film and it's but it's it's perfect and in some of the previous ones we've done we talked about like saturday night fever and weird science were like that the openings are just are are perfect they set the stage yeah for the character and all that yep this one is the ending yes is you know they talk about the climax you know of the of the film and it's and it definitely is in this and in the other two the endings were the endings and they were a little you know sort of you know whatever but this was this is where it's all leading to and it and they hit it out of the park it's fantastic way to end a film and just that that whole sequence of events is i mean you're right i i don't i would be disappointed if i didn't have that in there like if they just cut it and yeah. didn't have that well and again the imagery of it like they're dancing around her and her outfit and he's in all black as well and they're going through the fun house and just professing their love to each other and it's yeah it's iconic they're dancing they're like the little um like the little shake shake thing yeah. um, and even as a kid when she first goes into the fun house and she's walking through that like big cylinder that's turning to this day i still can't figure out how she walks through that in those heels like it's so <laughs> casual and i tried that at a fun house once fell flat on my face even in tennis shoes um, but yeah, like they're dancing, singing through the fun house. Everyone gets in and then they're in the little shake shake. And then they're like, you know, doing like this little step thing up and down the stairs. And it's, yeah, uh, I, even though I love the whole movie, there's still a special place in my heart for this whole sequence. Like you're, you're still kind of, I'm not good with my viewing experience until I've gotten this. I think I could even watch it and not worry about we go together, but I have to see you're the one that I want. That is Greece. It absolutely to me. Now we go together, which immediately follows that. Yep. 
we're going, we're getting like a double a double header. Yeah, and it's and it's great and it's fun and it's all this and then the super cheesy ending. <laughs> of you know after there's like like blah 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 ding 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 and all that stuff <laughs> and then. <laughs> It's a get, really good. <laughs> it's a good version of it. <laughs> Baba Lava Ding Dong. <laughs> yeah, that whole that whole sequence. And, and then they take off into the clouds and everything, yeah. which, which I. So that leads into it, and I think you were you were referring to it earlier as that fan theory. Of that is is Sandy dead in the entire film, and this is what this is I, a fantasy. Oh, you were referring to that. Okay, no. So there's oh, a there is a fan what? theory out there that Sandy drowns, and it's referred to in the songs that she was that he saved her, you know, because she was out swimming, got a cramp, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So that this is that she drowns, and then this is a fantasy playing off in her head as she's dying. Um, and then that final scene is her ascending into heaven. And so there's a the fan theory. And, and it's been brought up to both John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John and the writer, one of the writers. And they kind of just laughed it off kind of thing. But but it's, if you go and read about it, it's very interesting because it's like everything's perfect. Like everything that, that happens is just – it just all works out mm-hmm. in it. There's the scenes where – you know, the ending, there's the stuff where she's just as brand new to the school and gets accepted by the by the popular girls. And so it's just her sort of mind telling her that, you know, the, the, what it could have been had she not wow. had she, then she dies. So, wow, I I love a good like fan conspiracy theory. There's there's many. It's I love that. I don't think. I don't think the evidence is there to support that that's the literal interpretation of no. the movie. I, I do think it is a, a musical, which means it does kind of all, in, in depending on the, the type of show you're talking about, it does just all work out. And, and you do right. get this big ending number that is like the culmination of all the characters, everything that has been touched on or is important in the show we get the the big finale and they're all singing and dancing together and they're like we're gonna stick you know we're gonna stay friends forever and we're moving on in our lives and there's this one like again throwaway line in the movie um where they're getting ready to go to thunder road and they're talking to is it miss murdoch there the the shop teacher mm. and she says like if it you know like if it, if it was like tuned up any better it would fly and I think they just play on that. And it's funny because I know I've had this conversation with my mom and I think a couple other people where they're like, I love this movie up until that weird last moment where the car flies. <laughs> like, why? Why? And I, I don't know why. I Like, it is very out of place because we know, like, we know that it's not real, but I don't know if it's just supposed to be symbolic or they're just like, oh, hell, like, let's just give it, like, yeah, a, kind of a, whim- a whimsical, fun ending. Like, they've gone on the ride this far. They'll yeah. they'll accept whatever we do. Or we, we have to end it some way, so we might as well end it flying through the clouds. Yeah, and- I guess they felt like them just driving past the school, like, down, like, the the road wouldn't be nearly as fun as them literally flying into the clouds on Grease Lightning. Yeah, like the scene in Wayne's World when they go in and they're like running away. They're sitting in the bus and they're just sort of sitting there, <laughs> like looking at each other. Like it's supposed well, to be like this whole big climactic well, scene, and then you well, just sit there. Well, and the whole thing is actually 
a con- like it, it, it's not realistic because the car is different. Have you ever noticed that? Yeah. Like instead of the white and silver, it's like the red car with like the clear hood. It's like the fantasy version right. of the car that we saw earlier in the Grease Lightning sequence. So I'm like, I don't know where we broke from the reality of what's actually happening. Um, um, but I think that started right at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> Right. When they started singing. <laughs> yeah, right. That That's where we kind of lost the, the grounded realism of, of Greece. Yeah. When it stopped uh, being a documentary and more of a... About teens in the 50s. Yeah, more of an entertainment <laughs> flick. Um, okay, and I do have to ask, I know I touched on it about the debate, but what do you what do you say your vote on the ending of this movie is? Is this like a good moral? Is it okay that Sandy like changed... You have a daughter, like... So I don't know, like, is that a weird ending? Like, does it say something bad that she takes on this whole sexy greaser persona to to get her man? I, I've always told I've always told my daughter and I, I speak for her. I said, you just have to be true to yourself. And mm. so I would say that, you know, from a from a point of view that the film is. It's entertaining and definitely a, a good part of of the ending of the film or, you know, kind of essential to the ending of the film is I would not tell my own daughter to do whatever it takes. Right. And that's where I think Rizzo and her diverge. And I think this is a point where, where I think Rizzo is probably more of a, is, is probably more true to herself than, than Sandy is at that point. Yeah. And I'm hoping that after that, that there's a conversation, and I, you know, I'm gonna fill this in in my head about their conversation where they're driving, flying through the clouds. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and he goes, "Did you really uh, change your look for me?" You know, type of thing. And then, and she goes, says something, and it's like, "You don't have to change. I love you just the way you are." I don't, I don't know, but you know, something. <laughs> Can you some- please write this? I, the, the, <laughs> the cloud conversation. What happened after they flew away in that car? Well, and even from a like a completely logistical standpoint, there's no way she can tease her hair out like that every day. My God, no, she'd no. be up at three in the morning. Absolutely not doing that, that for him. And that's how the ozone layer opened up. Sandy was because of that film. Yeah, Sandy perpetuating the the big hair look. Um, I would say there's a good argument to be made. Like you can argue it either way. I think Sandy's look and her whole progression through the movie is sort of symbolic of maybe kind of like a sexual awakening, a maturity, an embracing. Man, that's like our fifth one of hitting the mic. Man, all thumbs tonight. Um, Professionals. <laughs> you're welcome. Um, but I, I think that there is something to be said about her maturing and her coming into her own and being confident and going after what she wants and and growing up and, and all that stuff that like the high school age or the coming of age thing is about. Um, but in a more literal sense, she, you know, she, now she's smoking. She's like, I don't know, with the way her parents sound, I don't know how she is going to go home and explain this new look to them um but she i mean she goes for it and it like it is one of those funny like i love it because it's greece and i've loved it since i was a kid but would i ever suggest to another anybody that you should go to that kind of extreme Ah, maybe not i don't know if i would fly away either yeah i think that's that's dangerous because you know the higher an altitude you get there's less oxygen and so there's always the there's always the the potential that Danny could lose consciousness and crash the car. Oh, yeah. shoot. That's a much darker sequel yeah, and than, than we got. 
And, and that's always a fear. So I hope he kept it below 5,000 feet or so. Yeah. I, I, well, and here's the thing, too. I don't even know what the mileage would be. Like, what would Grease Lightning get? And, like, how did, like... They didn't have like, you know, apps to look up gas stations. So as you're just like cruising around in the clouds, when, how do you find a pit stop to, to fill up your tank? No, Hard to say. Those are good points. These are the questions that need to be answered. If anyone knows, has theories, get in touch with us. We want to know what you think. We would, we would love it. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, and then, and then we, you know, credits roll and we get the, the yearbook approach with all the signatures and the pictures from production and we get grease. Once again, Frankie Valley, and once again, my favorite song on the on the soundtrack is that song, and so I'm I'm happy that we that we spent the last eight hours going over this, <laughs> the last two years that we talked about Greece. I was a young man then. <laughs> Don't kid yourself, Rich. <laughs> it's never ending. <laughs> But it, but I was happy that we that we that we did this one. It was one of those that I'm glad we tackled it early in our in our podcasting adventure yeah. because I think it it really made us think. I think we really looked at it from a lot of different perspectives, tying this and being a musical. You kind of have to tie the music with the with the the soundtrack. Uh, that makes no sense. That is that is literally what a soundtrack is, is a bunch of music from a movie. I was going to let you have that one. I didn't even say it. <laughs> well, this is what happens uh, when you're up all night and you're, you're doing this. But I think you know, we, we always ask that one question. Did the movie make the soundtrack mm. or the soundtrack make the movie? And I'm going to say it's both in this sense because it's a musical. It's, mm. It literally okay. is what it is, is the soundtrack. And... You take you take any of these songs out, and the film is not that interesting without it, without the song. Well, except Grease Light, you can take that out. I told you that already. <laughs> right. We have a. But I think yeah. I, I think this. I mean, it's obviously cut. it is what it is. It's a musical. This, I, I don't think you can separate those two because it was written that way. Yeah. If I'm if I'm being like, and that's a good point, and that is completely valid. I I would say if I'm looking at it on in a very strict way and having to make that choice, I would say. The mu- the music made the movie. Like Definitely. I would listen to the Grease sound, and I have this, these past couple weeks getting ready for this over and over, and just enjoy the hell out of it. But there's no version of Grease without any of the music in it that I would want to watch because that is the magic of this movie: is these characters and these scenes, but with these songs. So I, I mean, if I if I have to pick, then absolutely the soundtrack makes the, the movie. Made, made the movie. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely would agree, and I'm I'm glad if you're still listening to this. <laughs> if you are still here, then then you probably agree with us on this, and we I I definitely want to say how much we appreciate uh, all of our listener and the two new ones that we got, <laughs> and the one new one that I'm sure we've received after this. Yes, but uh, thank you for taking the time listening to us. I I had a great time talking about this, and. It's it's just been it's so much fun. Like we could honestly talk about this for you know these movies for for a long time. Oh and, yeah, and we, Endlessly. we restricted ourselves in the previous podcast, but this one we got about halfway through it, and we're like, ah, we're just gonna go with it. Maybe it's three parts, maybe it's two, maybe right. it's one. Like clearly, this is turning into a much longer conversation. <laughs> but it makes sense coming that it's one of the most popular and iconic musicals of the the rock era, and I think that. It deserves to have its day in the sun, and 
even, and it's going to be given that by us. It hasn't. It hasn't gotten its. its well, we view started when the sun was out, and it's and it, it's now dark. So that I, tells you, it gives you an idea. Well, and I, I have to give a special shout out to this movie because also it it was a movie that revived the movie musical. Like that was a, a really just dying breed and studios didn't want to touch it. And Greece brought that back. And while we've had our fair share of flops um, that have come out over the years, don't say anything about Greece too, because that is not what I'm talking about. Um, I will say we've also gotten some amazing movie musicals and some awesome stuff that I think wouldn't have happened without the success of this. We wouldn't have had Hugh Jackman singing and that's oh, what a world would that what a shame <laughs> that that would be. Yeah. But with that, I I, I really appreciate uh you joining me again back in person. Yes. And so fun. And that was nice. And if you have any ideas for films, I actually do have a couple that I received for future future podcasts. Um, I will share that. Not right now. I'm not going to share them, but I will share those. And I thought thought it was very interesting. And some of them were ones without vocals, um, which will be a different way of us approaching them because these are mostly popular songs. But uh, I really, you know, thanks again for joining. It's been great. Being back in person again, uh, it's much easier to do it this way than it is on a on a phone. It is, 100%. Um, and, um, yeah, just thank you. This was fantastic. Like, I can't get enough of, of talking about movies and music, and it's this has been a blast. But if you have any ideas for future shows, uh, hit us up, Lobo Radio, L-O-B-O Radio, at ymail.com. That's Y, not G, ymail.com. And let us know what it is that you'd love to hear, because we would love to hear from you. Okay. And yes, we would. Um, like, we love doing these. We want to get as many people listening as possible. We'd love to, you know, be interactive and be able to do films. Or if you have any, like, as always, if there's anything we missed or you feel like it would have been fun for us to talk about, let us know. And we're just going to keep, we're going to keep this train rolling. Yep. So thanks for everyone out there. I hope you have a great day. And... That's all for me. All right. This is Felicia Sky. Rick Knight. Signing off. Till next time. Feels like we've given a gift mm. to mm. mankind somehow, you know, around the world. They had brought up Linda Ronstadt. They'd brought up Murray Osmond. And I said, it, 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 they're wonderful, but every guy in the world wants Olivia Newton John as their, <laughs> oh. their girlfriend. Right. And I knew that because I wanted that. I, I felt the same way. And every girl wants to be like her. And I said, if you don't see this, you guys are nuts. Because there was only one person in the world that was Sandy. And that was Olivia Newton-John.